Welcome back to Bible Pillars for today. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday and today and forevermore. Hebrews 13, 8. I am so happy that we have come together again to study. And I pray that you are ready for study. I hope you have your Bible. hope you have your paper and your pencils with you. And markers, whatever you need, I hope you have. And maybe if you need something, something to drink to keep you warm. Because it's cool where I am. I don't know the temperature where you are. But it is cool. So a little tea or something warm, chocolate or whatever, hot chocolate, would be very nice. I hope and pray that you had wonderful holidays. You've had a good new year coming in. And I pray that you're ready to continue studying so that we can get closer and closer to God and to each other. I pray that you looked at the last video. I pray that you liked it. I pray that you shared it. And I definitely pray that you've subscribed and you told your friends to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Ohana YouTube channel, so that they can continue to see when we upload something. I'm excited. I'm excited about us continuing the Bible prophecy adventure. We're still in the book of Revelation. We're going to find out what is this book all about. And in fact, we're going to study today the good news of Revelation. Everybody look at Revelation and looks at the, ooh, the scary part, the part where we have all these images and stuff. But there's some very good news in the book of Revelation, and we're going to begin to look at that, to study it. So let's pray together before we get started. Lord, we pray that you will open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of your word. Help us to know it in our head, store it in our heart, show it in our life, and then sow it in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. Well, as we study the good news of Revelation, I want to give us a little bit of history here on knowledge, a little knowledge about this book and what we're studying. The book Genesis, the first three chapters, tell us how sin entered into the world. But it's interesting enough to know that the last three chapters of Revelation tells us how sin will be removed from the earth. Isn't that amazing? And then all the chapters that are between tells how God relates to this awful tragedy. The punishment for sin is death. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. That is a horrible, horrible thing to accept. And it was for God. The ugly cancer of sin could not be tolerated, else it would endanger the universe. God was not pleased. The super tragedy of sin is that when Adam and Eve disobeyed, sin passed to all mankind. And thus all people from that time to the present time Face the penalty of death. Do you realize or have you thought of that the death penalty is on our lives automatically? 
That is not easy to think of. I think about death row. All those people, or maybe someone we may know, that may be on death row, their penalty is death. Our heart breaks. Well, I have news for you, and it was news for me. We need to think of our life as it has a death penalty on it. But thanks be to God for realizing that and wanting to do something about it. And so with this, it says, so heaven was suddenly comforted, confronted, sorry, with a horrible dilemma. Either sin would have to be excused and tolerated, thus jeopardizing the universe, or all people on planet Earth would have to die. Mm. God flatly refused both options. Thank you, God. He could not stand the thought of separation from his earthly children. Oh, that's a good God, isn't it? Who he dearly loved. Nor would he permit the ugly sin virus to rule this universe. That God is a good God. But I've heard that he's not such a good God. What do you think? Instead, in an act of unbelievable risk and love, he chose to send his only son, who is himself God. Did you hear that now? A lot of people don't realize or don't want to accept that Jesus Christ is God. He is God. So he had to send his son into this world to die in my place and in your place. And in fact, he died for all in the world. Our sins and our death penalty was placed upon him and we were set free. Isn't that something to thank God for? We were set free. Now, God didn't have to do that, but because he loved us so much, he chose to do that. Revelation 14.6. Revelation 14.6 says this, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, and having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. The everlasting gospel. The word gospel means good news. This is why we are studying the good news of Revelation. And indeed, God's blessed, God's blessed loving plan of salvation is good news. How about that? Set us free from the penalty of death. Incredibly good news for you and for me and for every person on planet Earth. We shall now study the eternal science of God's plan, his great plan of salvation. Revelation 2.10. Revelation 2.10 says this. Revelation 2.10.
Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. There is a promise, there is a promise that we should keep in mind. What can I do to benefit from Jesus' sacrifice? What can I do? It is to have faith. Have faith. You know, what is it that God's great plan of salvation is called? What, 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 what is it called? What is it called? It's called the everlasting gospel. That's what we just read in Revelation 14, 6. The everlasting gospel. When did that plan to save man come into effect? When did it come into effect? Mm, let's read Revelation 13, 8. Revelation 13, 8. And it says this. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose name are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So it has been since the foundation of the world that this plan has been set for us. God loves us and he loves us so deeply he knew that we could sin. I'm sure like we do with our children, those that are parents, we pray that they don't fall into sin. But we understand that that is an option because God gave us free will. And so with that free will, we can choose to go the wrong way. So God had a plan. That good news of Revelation is what we're studying about. So, what happened when Adam sinned and why? Romans 5, 12. What happened when Adam sinned and why? Romans 5, 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and sin by death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all, hmm, that all have sinned. And you know, Romans 3.23 lets us know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin entered the world, and death passed upon us all. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And then when we look at why is living a life of sin so serious? Why is it serious? Why can't we just sin? Who are we hurting? Why can't we just sin? Well, remember Romans 6.23. Remember that text? For the wages of sin is death. Now I'm sure 
we don't want that death penalty to come back on us after Jesus has given his life that we don't have to have that penalty on us. I'm sure we don't want that penalty to come back on us. But Isaiah 59, 2 is interesting with what it says about the seriousness of sin. Isaiah 59, 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear you. Wow, we don't need that type of separation in this world that we're living in, do we? That while we're here, we have no one to hear our needs. I don't think we want that type of separation from God. So that is the seriousness of it. It's a death penalty and it's a separation and that he will not even be able to hear us. That is not, I don't think, what we want. What did Jesus' death do for his people? What did Jesus' death do for his people? Let's read the text. Revelation 1.5. Revelation 1.5 says this. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prime Oh, no, the prince, sorry, the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loves as and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So what did Jesus' death do for his people? It caused that he washed our sins away. Amen. He washed our sins away. And then let's also read 1 John, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. And it says this, 1 John 2, 1 through 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, too, and he is the propitiation, meaning the sacrifice for us, for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So you can always make sure you share that Jesus Christ has died for the whole world. Not just for me, not just for you, but everyone in the whole world. Jesus Christ has died for. Who, accepts, who accepted my sin and death penalty? Well, we, we can read it because we know Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 6 talks about it a little more. Who accepted my sins and death penalty, your sins and death penalty. Isaiah 53, 6 talks about it. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so Jesus himself has died. Remember John 3.16? John 3.16? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God has gave his only son to die for us. Remember, he took our death penalty away. The good news of Revelation. What must I do to benefit from Jesus' death again is asking. And this is what Acts 16.31 says. Acts 16.31 says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Did it say might? No. It said you shall, I shall, we shall be saved. And then it says, and your house. Wow. So that means we need to be praying for our children. Yes. Pray for our families. Pray for our friends. Because we're saved. They can be saved also. Because they can accept Jesus Christ as they watch us walk in the newness of Jesus Christ. And then remember, remember 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 says this. 1 John, 1 John, not St. John. 1 John 1, 9. It says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He does not do a half job. He does it all the way. And I am so thankful. What about you? And then, what does the Bible say accompany this death and accepting of Jesus Christ's death? There's a word that's called repentance. Let's read about it. Acts 3.19 Acts 3, 19. Acts 3.19 says this. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repentance. Turn away from your sins. Me, turn away from my sins to be converted, to be changed. This is what we stand in need of. Well, what is this conversion experience? Why, you know, what is it called? Why is it necessary? Well, there's a text, John 3, 3 through 7. Now, I'm only going to read verse 3. You're going to study the rest on your own because this is a story. This story is about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a ruler. He went and he visited Jesus at night. So listen what Jesus told him about this conversion. It says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. New birth. To be born again? Oh, you read the story, you'll see. Nicodemus thought he was talking about going back into his mother's womb. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Not that physical death like that. Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth. 
being reborn again. It says, because when born again, we have no past. Isn't that wonderful? No past. No past. Nothing to hold us down. At conversion, a person is cleansed from his sin, those past sins. And he starts all over, she starts all over as a newborn baby when Christ is in the life. Have you ever thought of it like that? Have you ever thought of it like that? That we get a chance to have a new life, a new life. How does Jesus abide in this new life? <coughs> How does Jesus abide in this new life? John 14, 17. John 14, 17 says this. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwell with you and shall be in you, in you and in me. So it is that because of our having Jesus as our Savior, as us accepting him, it is that he is within us. And this is what's making this new life begin. This new life. We're no longer that old person, we are a new person. And in fact, we'll learn a little more about it. Philippians 2.13, when Jesus lives in my life, what do I do? What is something that I do? And Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasures. So it's God that will cause us to do good, to do good, and to do his good pleasure. Jesus gives us this heart, new heart. He doesn't remodel that old heart. He said he would give us a new heart. And then he adds the power to it to give us to do his will. Jesus living within us. Why should I be confident about my new birth? Why should I be confident about my new birth? Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you and me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, until Christ's return. He will continue to work within us. So it's not like everything's going to change at one time. It's like we're going to grow up again. Praise God. We're going to grow up. We're going to be this babe in Christ because of this new birth. And then we're going to grow up in Christ. Jude, Jude 24 and 25. Now, 
You didn't hear me say a chapter. I just said Jude 24 and 25. Because Jude, J-U-D-E, the book just before Revelation, only has one book. So I'm saying go to Jude and it's verse 24 and 25. And it says this, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his God with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So he's able to keep us from falling. We just got to desire to stay before him, allow him to stay within us. Amen. What big problem faces many Christians? Thought about that? What big problems faces many Christians? Matthew 7.21 tells us this. Now listen, 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 listen. This is very important. This text says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven. Isn't that something how many of us will say, Lord, Lord, but it's saying that we will not enter in? Listen, why? Many of us are eager to call him Lord, but refuse to obey him. Have mercy. Please let us not be one of them anymore. Okay? Starting now, let us not call him Lord, but not be willing to obey him. Once we've heard what he desires for us to do. Because sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we just don't know. But once he's taught us, let us do what he says. Jesus must be crowned both Savior and Lord of our life. Many want Jesus as their Savior because they don't want the death penalty. So they want that to be erased, but not as their Lord. A born-again Christian will follow wherever Jesus leads. And that's what we want to be. Amen? We want to be a born-again Christian. How do we make Jesus Lord of our life? How do we make him Lord of our life. We read it earlier. Matthew 7, 21. We read it by doing the will of the Father. By doing the will of the Father. Can you notice that Jesus is not asking for homage? Homage. Homage. He's always leading us back to his Father. He's always leading us back to his Father. But then his father is so loving and respectful of him that his father is always leading us to Jesus. Because he says, you can't come to me unless you come through my son, Jesus, that gave his life for you. So it is an awesome relationship that God, the father, 
God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has. Amen. How can we know Jesus accepts us? How can we know? That's a very good question. How can we know that Jesus accepts us? Let's read Titus 1-2. Titus 1-2. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. He promised before the world began that he will accept us. He will save us. He loves us. And then we have Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Nine, not of works, least any man should boast. So how can we know Jesus accepts us? Because he's told us that. He's promised us. And he's offered this gift. It's just for us to receive, to accept that gift. Christmas time. We all had to accept the gifts that people brought us. And the people that we took gifts to, they had to accept them and to take them in order for them to be considered a gift. How may I strengthen my faith? You know, it says, have faith of a mustard seed. That's a little tiny seed, about like that. But that seed grows a huge tree. So, that means our faith needs to grow as well. 2 Timothy 2.15 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We strengthen our faith through study, through study. But then Romans 10.17 Romans 10.17 says, So then, Faith coming by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, we strengthen our faith by hearing the word. Reading it, listening to it, listening to the sermons, uh, listening to teachings. Um, uh, I love turning on my um, iPad or whatever that has the Bible, and it can read to me, and I read along with the words as, as the person is reading to me. I love to do that because I'm putting it up here and then I'm putting it here. I'm using my senses. God is good. Amen. And putting it in my ear, you know, all of these things. How will you, how will you and I know our life has truly been changed? The conversion. I'm just going to give you the text and I'm going to tell you a little bit the text has said. John 13, 35 says, I will love everybody. John 13, 35 tells us, I will love everybody. Second Corinthians, even our enemies, even our enemies, because 544 lets us know we'll love even our enemies. Yes, John 544 will let us know that. Second Corinthians 5.17 Second Corinthians 5.17 says, My life will be like a new creature. I'll be new. Remember? Like a babe. 
I'll be all new. 1 John 3.22 says, I will be willing to keep his commandments. I will be willing to keep his commandments. Romans 12.1-2 lets us know that we'll pre present our body as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. So those are some of the ways that we will know that we are truly converted. We will see a change, a difference. Now, you know, it tells us this too. The big difference is that after conversion, I will be ready and willing to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me. Listen at Romans 8. Romans 8, 9 and 14. Romans 8, 9 and 14. It says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God mm -hmm, dwells in you and me. Now, if any man have not the Spirit, Christ is none of his. 14 says, For as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So, we will be led by God. He will guide us. He desires to guide us. It is awesome. I want to give you five, five glorious truths about this good news of Revelation. One, Jesus is a living Savior, not a dead one. Not a one that won't be with us. He is with us. Remember the little G and the big G? The little G is not with us, but the big G is. Well, the same way with the Savior, Jesus. That's Re Revelation 5, 9. I'll give you the text. Revelation 5, 9. Then secondly, his sacrifice, his sacrifice was for us. And we can say, for me. You know, get real personal with it. For me. His sacrifice, his giving his life was for me. Revelation 7, 14 talks about how he gave us his raiment, his white robe of righteousness. And he took my dirty linen, my dirty robe, and I received, you received, if you've received him as your savior. And then four, uh, three, sorry, three. Jesus' righteousness is ours. That's why we receive the robe, because we have changed roles now. That's Revelation 14, verse 6, verse 12, and 14. The gospel will go to the every nation, every kindred, every tongue and people. His good news was offered to all of us. Isn't that good news? No one has been turned down. Praise the Lord. Amen? And then four. Jesus will save every one of us who really accept his everlasting gospel. Revelation 21.6 If I, if you, thirst for him, he will give you, give me, the water of life freely. Five. Jesus furnishes everything. It's all free. You go to the store right now, any store, you're not going to get anything of real value free. There's usually something behind it or something in front of it. 
but everything Jesus has offered is free to us. Jesus supplies the power, the miracles, the love, forgiveness, and grace for my and for your salvation. Everything we need, he gives freely. It is unthinkable that any of us in this Bible prophecy adventure would fail to accept Jesus' marvelous free offer to forgive, cleanse, and restore us to his image. Jesus is anxious to work miracles for all of us. How about that? Will you, just now, decide to accept his plan to save you? Or will you re reaffirm that great decision that you've made once before? Jesus, the Bible says, is knocking at our hearts. Will you let him in? Will you let him in today? Let us pray. Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you for this study that we can see that the book of Revelation has good news. Good news that you have saved us. You have come through your son, given him his, he has given his life, he has taken the death penalty off of us and placed it upon himself. He has given us his robe of righteousness so that we will have a righteous life. He has taken our death penalty life and we have a new chance. We have accepted him. And Father, if not, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will come into our hearts. You will forgive us for our sins by thought, by word, by deed. You will cleanse us from all wrongdoing. 1 John 1, 9 says that you will. And that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray, O oh God, that you will accept us tonight. Or you will accept us reaffirming ourselves with you. We want to be your child. We want to walk in heavenly places with you. We accept your gift of your life for our life. Bless us this day. Keep us this day. And most of all, our God, our Jesus, we say, save us in the end. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Remember to like, remember to share, and please remember to subscribe. And remember I told you the email address is theohanaministries at gmail.com. We look forward to your comments and look forward to your testimonies there. God bless you and God keep you. See you soon.